The title of my sermon today is, After the Amen, Then What? I think most of you remember the story of Joseph in the Bible. God gave him a dream. It really was from God. And God showed him what God intended to be in his life. He gave him a vision of his future and his destiny. But Joseph shared what God had said to him with his brothers who already were jealous and hated him. And the scriptures in Genesis 37 said, The dream God gave him made his brothers hate him still more. So much so that they decided to kill him. One brother talked them out of it, so they sold him into slavery instead. And he was a slave in the house of a man named Potiphar. Do you all remember the story? For those of you who don't know, I don't ever want to assume that everybody knows. So I'm, I'm just giving a brief recap of the story. But he was a slave in the house of Potiphar. And there the Lord blessed him. The Lord prospered everything that was under his hand. And he was doing very well there. And then... His wife thought Joseph was fine, and she decided she wanted to be with Joseph. And so she kept trying to seduce him, and he kept saying to her, my, I'll never betray my master that way. He's been good to me. He's put everything in my hand. He trusts me, and I'm, I'm not going to do it. So one day she got impatient, and while he was there, she grabbed him and was trying to make him, you know, sin with her. And he said, I'm not doing it. So he ran out, but he happened to leave his cloak with her. He left his cloak in her hand so he could get away. Well, then she got mad. And she called the steward of the house and told her husband when he got home that Joseph had tried to forcibly be with her. And so Joseph got thrown into prison. And how many of you know he didn't deserve any of this so far? Uh, and in prison, he was doing well. And the butcher and the, not the butcher, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, my husband's got me going. The baker and the butler uh, displeased the Pharaoh, the king, and they got thrown into the prison with Joseph. And they both had troubling dreams, and they wanted to know what they meant. So one of the gifts that God had given to Joseph was the ability to understand a dream. So he prayed, and God gave him the interpretation. And he told the men, you know, when you get out of here, remember me. Well, they got out. Well, one, they both got out, but one of them uh, ended up getting killed. But the other one, when he was restored to Pharaoh's butler, as Pharaoh's butler, he forgot all about Joseph. Well, how many of you know there's a lot of opportunity for discouragement in there? A lot of things went on. Uh, ultimately, Pharaoh needed a dream interpreted, and the butler finally remembered Joseph. And from that, God was able to raise Joseph up to be the second in command of the entire nation of Egypt. And the dream God put in Joseph's heart came to pass just the way God had shown him so many years ago. When God put that dream in Joseph's heart, Joseph could never have imagined the twists and the turns his life would take on the way to that dream coming true. Then I know by the Spirit of God that there are some of you in this room that God has spoken things to. You got on your knees and, or you were in a time with God. And he spoke something to your heart. He implanted a dream or a vision or direction or, or a, a knowing of what your future is supposed to be. You got up from that place having conceived something in your heart with God. Pregnant with purpose, so to speak. 
But after you said amen and you got up, you said, yes, Lord, be it unto me, even as you said, you get up from that place. But then what? Then what? Life happens. Sometimes things just don't go the way we anticipated. Life takes twists and turns that we might never have dreamt would happen. Sometimes the good things of God don't come in the package that we uh, uh, expected that it would. But be careful that you don't give up on your dream or even on God because it came packaged differently than what you were expecting. How many of you know God is not a man that he should lie? And that dream that he put inside of your heart, it has the power to bring to pass whatever it is that God said. A couple scriptures in Luke that really blessed me in the Amplified Classic. It says, no word from God is... Uh, oh, crud. Of course, I forget the scripture. No. Uh, um, no word from God is without power or impossible of fulfillment. How many of you know his words are containers? And they contain the power to bring forth whatever it is that he said. No word from God is ever impossible of fulfillment. But after you say amen and you get up and life begins to happen, you've got to be very careful that you don't let go of what God said. Or get mad at God because things are going differently than you anticipated. I recently read about a young man who had fairly wealthy parents. And for his high school graduation, he wanted a sports car desperately. All of his friends were getting uh, uh, cars from their parents for graduation. And he was absolutely confident that his parents were going to get him a car. So much so that he and his dad, they went uh, to the car dealership one right after another till he found just the right sports car. You know what I mean? The cool one. Maybe a, a convertible or I don't know what it was, but, it, you know, the kind where you hit the gas and it goes. You know what I mean? We get next to people like that in the, spot, in the stoplight, and I tell Mark, are you impressed? As a man, he's impressed far more than I ever am by everybody's noisy muffler. But he found just the right car. Graduation day, he went through his ceremony, went home. His dad called him into the study. And his dad, across the desk, pushed a package towards him, uh, a nicely wrapped package, and he thought, this ain't no car. And they thought, well, maybe it contains the keys. So he opens the package, and when he opened it up, there was a Bible in the package. He was furious. He said, thanks, Dad. Shoved the box back across the desk, walked out, packed his bags, left home, and never came back. He never saw his father again. And yes, he's a spoiled brat, but that's not the point of my story. Some years later, he got word that his father had passed. 
And that finally brought him home. And he was puttering around the house, you know, just hanging out, waiting for his father's funeral. And he happened into the study where he had had that conversation with his dad. And he was surprised to find that on the desk, that box was still there after all these years. So he picked up the box and pulled the Bible out. He was thumbing through the Bible. And out of that Bible fell a check for the exact amount that that sports car had cost. And it was dated and signed the day of his graduation. My point to you is, because it didn't come packaged the way he thought, he rejected not only the gift, but he rejected the father who gave it. But it was there all along. The provision had been made all along. That sports car was his. It was as good as his. But he gave up. He didn't even look at it. He didn't even take the time to, to ask any questions. Because it didn't come in the right package. And he didn't understand what was going on. He rejected the gift and he rejected the father who gave it. Listen, after you get that downloaded dream from God and you say amen and you get up from your place of prayer, then what? What if nothing immediately changes? What if your life doesn't look like you thought it would or should? You may never have anticipated the twists and turns your life would take. But be careful that you don't give up on the dream God gave you and the process of obtaining it just because it doesn't look like you expected it to look. You know, it reminds me of uh, the dude in the, old, in the Old Testament who had leprosy. And he came to the prophet of God because a little girl said there's a prophet in Israel who cures leprosy by the spirit of God. And so he came and that the prophet didn't even go out to meet him. He just sent word to him. Go and dip yourself in the Jordan River seven times and you'll come up clean. Well, the man was angry. Here I am, the commander of, the, uh, of an army of another nation. I thought for sure, he said, he would come out here and slap his hand on my leprosy and call upon his God. Do you see what I'm saying? He had dreamt it and he imagined it and he had a thought in his mind of how it should have gone. He said, I'm not going to do that. Are there not better rivers in my country cleaner than that river? I'm not doing that. Thank God for good people around us. One of his little servant girls, she said, Master, if he had asked you to do some hard thing, wouldn't you have done it? Fine. Went down, dipped in the Jordan seven times, came up whole. Came up whole. Careful that you don't get in your mind a set way of how things are going to go. And then when they don't, you get so disappointed in God. And you get so disappointed in life. When you've embraced the plan of God and the dream he put in your heart, but nothing is happening yet, what do you do? 
When you pray but you don't yet see a breakthrough, what do you do? Are you going to give up on the dream God gave you? Listen to me. When you know you're in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing, then never give up. Never give up. Never give up. Walk it out. I was praying about something one time, and the Lord asked me, can you trust the process even when you don't see the progress? Trust that I'm working, though you don't see it. Trust that things are changing, though you don't see the change. Y'all, this, none of, I'm, I got to be careful because I have notes and I'm, I'm getting all different directions. Y'all are pulling. I can feel it. I can feel the pull. Well, answer this, Pastor Rhonda. Well, answer that. Okay, okay. I'm trying. Do you remember when Jesus walked by and cursed the fig tree? How many of you know it didn't immediately go boop? No, but the next day when they walked by it, it withered up from the root. His words went to the root. It went to the root. His words went to the root. And it wasn't immediately obvious on the outside that anything was happening, but everything was happening. Can you trust the process if you don't see the progress? No matter what it feels like, no matter what it looks like, if God said something to you, he is moving. He is preparing for you the future he promised. But even more than that, he is preparing you for it. But if you get discouraged and you give up, you may never obtain it. Oftentimes, the bigger the call, the bigger the vision, the bigger the dream, the longer it takes to prepare it for you, but also the longer it takes to prepare you for it. Asking God for something is not just about him giving you what you ask for. It's also about him making sure you're ready for it and preparing you to be able to handle it when it comes. Our father in the faith, Brother Hagen, he used to say, you know, he would travel around and ministers would say, ministers who've never pastored, never done anything, and just know they're called, they would say to him, if you ever hear of a large church that needs a pastor, you call me. They're not anymore ready to pastor a large church. Why? Because they weren't ready for the dream they had. You got to put your hand oftentimes to the small before you get the big and thank God for it because the big would consume you if you weren't ready for it. Psalms 105, verse 17, King James. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron. Listen, I don't know. Obviously, Joseph, they really hurt his feet for the Bible to even mention that. Whose feet they hurt with fetters, for he was laid in iron. Verse 19, until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. Sometimes we think we're trying God. We're going to give him a try. We're going to see if he's going to come through. No, he's given you a try. 
He's seeing if you're going to be able to come through. He's seeing if you're going to be able to handle it. If you're going to be able to stand in faith and walk in faith and not be discouraged and really do what it is that he's preparing you for. He's trying. Put that scripture back up to that last one. Until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. Psalms 105, verse 17 in the New Living. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar. I can't even imagine. Verse 19. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. When there's that delay, what are, you, what are you doing? What are you saying? What are you believing? When God gave Joseph that dream, he never imagined the twists and turns that he would have to take before he got there. There were hardships and heartaches that would be on that path to the dream's fulfillment. His siblings' hatred must have broken his heart. Can you imagine how afraid he was when first he was down in that pit listening to them plot his murder and knowing they really intended, his brothers really intended to murder him? Can you imagine how afraid he was when the chosen, the golden boy of the family was now a servant or a slave? He was heartbroken and afraid. And the verses that we just read speak even to the physical suffering he endured as well. How many of you know that looked like anything but what God said? But in that time, God was pruning him, watching him, testing his heart, preparing him for the future that he had for him. How many of you know if Joseph would have gotten bitter and, and would have turned his back on God, why did you even give me that dream? His dream would never have come true. We, we would never have known his story. But the dream did come to pass. Just not the way he thought it would. And not in the time he thought it would. He never dreamed he would go through what he did on the path to the fulfillment of his destiny in God. But he kept his heart right. And he kept following on. He just kept following on with God. And we... I had a cousin who, at 20 years old, was killed in a car accident. And inside her, her casket was a plaque my aunt had put there, which said this, we don't need to understand, we just need to hold his hand. How many of you know that's true? You just got to hold his hand and keep walking. Father, I don't understand. This doesn't look like what I thought it would look like. You said this, but it looks like this. But I trust you. I'm just going to take your hand, and we're going to keep walking. And I trust you that this is going to come out just the way you said. This is going to come out just the way you said. 
Can you do that? Can you keep your heart right and keep following after God when you don't see progress in the natural towards what God has spoken to you? Can you trust the process even if you don't see the progress? Listen, there's a book I have that I love. My dad gave it to me years ago, and about chapter 3, it was the most depressing book I ever read in my life, and I thought, why am I even reading this book? But then it got way, 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 way better. And I want to tell you the story. It's written by a lady whose parents were missionaries to Africa. It's a true story in the early 1900s. They were in a Scandinavian country. It escapes me right this minute, which it was Sweden, Switzerland, somewhere over there. Uh, and they were in a prayer meeting, and God came all over them. And God said, I want you to go to Africa and win Africa for me. So they said, Okay. They gave up everything. They loaded their few belongings and their son on a ship because this is the day before, days before the airplanes. And they got on a ship and they sailed for Africa. And when they got to Africa, they had their machetes and they, 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 they hacked their way through the jungle to the mission station that was already established there. And the missions, missionaries there said, you know, it's dangerous out there. Just stay with us. But they said, no, we're, we're called to the unreached areas. We're going to go on. So the husband, the wife, and the two-year-old son, they began to hack their way through the jungle. And they got to the first village. And they tried to make contact. And they tried to, to, to tell them about Jesus. But the people just rejected them. And the, the chief kicked them out of that village. So they went to the next village, hacking their way through the jungle to the next village. And there they were rejected again. And they hacked their way through, another, uh, through the jungle to another village. And village after village after village rejected them. Until they got malaria and they were too sick and too tired to go on. So when that last village rejected them, they established a little camp near that last village. And the chief wouldn't let anybody interact with them from the village except for one little boy that he would send to trade for supplies. That they could trade what they had, you know, and get supplies so they could live. But they were very sick. And finally, the woman got pregnant of the missionary couple. And, uh, but she told her husband, she said, look, God told us to win Africa. And this little boy is an African. I'm going to win him to Christ. So she began to pray for him, and she began to work with him, and she began to love him. And finally, after several months, they knelt together in the mud, in that jungle, and he received Jesus in his heart. He was maybe eight years old. A few months later, she had her baby, and then she died. Her husband lost it. He packed up those kids. He was so, he took all of his grief at losing her and aimed it as anger towards God. You brought me out here into this jungle that resulted in my wife's death. Her death is your fault. And for what? Nothing was accomplished. You sent us here. For why? To suffer and to go through all these things. But nothing was accomplished. I'm done with this and I'm done with you. He hacked his way back through the jungle, went back to his country, caught a ship, went back to his country where he backslid totally and became a raging alcoholic. 
Now, isn't this a great story so far? I wish I had the time to tell you the lengths God went to to bring that man back to him before he died. Miracle after miracle happened. True story. The whole story is a true story. My dad knew this woman. <clears throat> anyway, this woman was the, the woman who wrote the book was the baby that was born in Africa. She and her husband were in the ministry. It's a long story, but she ended up in America because nobody knew who her parents were. Uh, because it's a long story. She was too sick as an infant to to just not be nursed. She had to be nursed. So he left her at the mission station uh, when he went on to catch the ship with the boy. Uh, and then the uh, villagers poisoned the water of the mission statement, killed the missionaries. And now nobody knew who the baby was. So an American couple adopted her and brought her to the U.S. Long story. Long story even longer. She, uh, she married a minister. They were at a, a conference on worldwide missions. And honestly, that night she said they were a little bored. So they left and went back to their hotel room to get a nap before they met their friends afterwards. They came back to meet their friends to go to dinner. They were, had just walked in the door when she heard a man up speaking, and he was telling the story of her family. She knew the story but didn't even know her own name. She heard him tell the story of her family. Well, listen to me. It turns out that man up who was speaking was the little boy that knelt in the mud with her mother that day so many decades before. And that little boy, that one little boy they won, he not only went on to win his own family to Christ, he won his entire village to Christ. And then from there, he won the villages roundabout to Christ. And now he's the head of a denomination's entire ministry in that whole nation. He's won tens of thousands of Africans to God. But do you see? Do you get it? If that man had stayed faithful, if that man, he'd already done the hard work. If he just would have stayed there where God planted him. He could have discipled that little boy. And been considered the father of that nation spiritually. That was the plan. They were to win a, a nation in Africa for Christ. But he gave up. The seeds of the fulfillment of God's plan for that missionary man to win Africa for Christ was already in the ground the moment his wife knelt with that little boy in the mud and led him to Jesus. If he had stayed faithful, he could have been considered the father of that nation. He gave up on the brink of his miracle. Listen to me. Life may not be easy. And stuff might be going on that you never anticipated. But don't you dare give up on the brink of your miracle. You don't know how close you are. You could be one breath away from what God promised you, though you don't see it with your eyes. How many of you know, to that man's eyes, that little boy looked like nothing? I'm sure he was thinking he probably forgot as soon as we left. But he didn't forget. 
God worked his plan. Sometimes God works his plans for a lifetime. But if you don't give up, if you won't give in, it will come to pass. But God not only has to prepare the dream for you, he's also preparing you for the dream. So that you're ready when you get there. God doesn't want you to have short-term success and then you implode. No, he's building you, building me for a lifetime of success. But sometimes we want things right now. We want them to happen right now with no personal growth required. But I regret to inform you that is not how God operates. God will show us the end, that great thing he intends to achieve with our life, but he doesn't show us every step between here and there. He'll show us Z, but we don't see B through Y. Do you understand? He doesn't want you to just succeed for a little while and then fall apart and be miserable the rest of your life. No, he intends for us to have a lifetime of success and for us to go from glory to glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18, let's just look at it for time's sake, out of the message. The message is a paraphrase. I don't necessarily recommend you study out of the message, but sometimes he says things in modern language that we can just get. 2 Corinthians 3.18, all of us, nothing between us and God. Our face is shining with the brightness of his face. And so we are transfigured much like Messiah. Our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. That is the plan. He's going to take us from glory to glory to glory until we're ready. And we can handle the success he wants to give us. Chapter 4, verse 1. Since God is so generally, this is the next verse, it just is a chapter break. Since God has so generously let us in on what he is doing, and he has with that dream in your heart. We're not about to throw up our hands and walk off the job just because we run into occasional hard times. God's told you what will be. He has told you what the plan is for your life. But just because it's packaged differently than you expected and there were twists and turns you did not anticipate, don't let go. We're approaching the 30th anniversary of this church. Pastor Mark will tell you that God supernaturally led him here and gave him a vision in his heart of what this church should be. But Pastor Mark never dreamed the church would be 10 years old before we could even break 100 people. 10 years. 10 years. We're just now getting close to seeing some things that were so big in our hearts decades ago. We thought we would have seen them decades ago. The years have been full of labor and fraught with many ups and downs and struggles and heartaches and pain. And I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that Pastor Mark stuck it out. I'm so glad that though it was hard and for weeks at the beginning, no one came. He preached to his two helpers that came down to help him open the church. But he didn't give up. 
he believed God. He believed that what God said to him was true and that it would bring about the fruit, and eventually it has. Thank God. I know my life's been blessed and changed. God's word is true. Listen to me. Not only his written word, but the word that he writes on our heart by his spirit. His word is true. His word is true. God is preparing for you the future he promised. But even more than that, he is preparing you for the future he promised you so that you're ready when you get there. The path that we go on as we follow him is designed to not only get us what he promised, but to make sure we're ready and can handle it when we get there. But don't give up on him or the dream he has downloaded to your heart if it looks different than what you anticipated. Hebrews 10.35 out of the NIV. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Listen to this next verse. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. You need to do the will of God every day, everything that he directs you to do. Let's say this microphone over here is my ultimate call, this one on the corner over here. How many of you know I have little short legs, but even if I was six foot tall, I couldn't get from here to there in one step. So God shows me what is that ultimate call, and then he says, okay now, go here and do this. But Lord, that's not my call. What has this got to do with anything? No, he's, he's, he's loading my tool belt. He's giving me tools. He's, he's uh, causing me to find relationships that will help me get there and that I'll need when I do get there. So he says, go here and do this. But, Lord, that's not my call. But as we do it, he get, he, he's loading our tool belt. He'll say, go here and do this. Work the nursery. Say, what? Wrong number. I don't do booby diapers. Go here and do this. Lord, that ain't my call either. What are you thinking? Do you know before Pastor Mark realized he was called to be a pastor, he did children's ministry. How many of you know it's good for a pastor to know what he wants in a children's ministry? He did youth ministry. It's good for a pastor to know what he wants in a youth ministry. He was an usher. How many of you know it's good for him to know what he wants in an usher corps and how to run one? He was the church secretary slash manager, office manager at a church. Huh? Office manager at the church. <laughs> how many of you know it's good for a pastor to know how the office runs and the business things get done? Everything God asked him to do was loading his tool belt. Giving him the skills he'd need to be a success when he got here. It's the same with you. And listen, I'll say this. I'll take poopy diapers over poopy attitudes anytime. I found out quickly, youth ministry is not my gig. Teenagers, I mean. 
And if you're in here and you're under the age of 18, I do love you. It was really funny. We had to let one of our youth pastors go. And uh, so Mark, Pastor Mark took it over and I preached every Wednesday night for a while. And he took over the youth group. And he took a youth group of about 100 and whittled it down to about 40. And then he said, you know, before we hire somebody, until we find somebody to hire, why don't you do it for a little while? Well, I took that youth group of 40 and whittled it down to 20, man. It was ugly. They were all like, and I was all like. Mama, don't do attitude. Give me a poopy diaper any day of the week. I love children's ministry. Found out where my grace was not. But we need to persevere so that when we have done the will of God, 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 we will get what he promised. He didn't say something to you that he doesn't intend to bring to pass. He's not teasing you with a carrot dangling it out in front of you, something you'll never be able to reach. He intends to bring that to pass, but he also wants you to be ready when you get there. So the plan of God is trying you until the time comes for that dream to come true. Verse 37. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come. And will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. But we are of those who believe and are saved. I want to read that out of the message. So don't throw it all away now. You were sure of yourselves then and it's still a sure thing. But you need to stick it out, staying with God's plan so you'll be there for the promised completion. It won't be long now. He's on the way, and he'll show up most any minute. But anyone who is right with me thrives on loyal trust. If he cuts and runs, I won't be very happy. But we are not quitters who lose out. Oh, no. We'll stay with it and survive trusting all the way. Now, I want you to listen to me. I received Jesus into my heart when I was a little bitty girl, maybe four. That means I've walked with Jesus over 55 years now. I'm not ashamed. It beats the alternative, which is dead. But in those 55 years, I can tell you this, he has never lied to me. Things often didn't happen the way I thought they were going to happen. They didn't always happen when I thought they were going to happen. But he has never lied to me. He is. I'm telling you, I've had 55 years of experience walking with him. And I'm telling you his character. And I'm telling you what he wants to do for you. No word from God is ever without power or impossible of fulfillment. And blessed are they who believe, for there shall be a fulfillment of that thing spoken to them of the Lord. But blessed are they who believe. 
Blessed are they who believe. Blessed are they who keep persevering. Blessed are they who keep obeying. Blessed are they who keep walking with God when they don't understand. Blessed are they because there shall be a fulfillment of those things spoken to them of the Lord. Don't give up. Don't give up on your dream. If God hasn't told you to do something different, then quit running off trying to find a better way. Quit running off trying to find an easier way. I had another whole story I was going to start with today, and I don't have time to tell it, but ever so briefly. The true story, again, a man, I'd be really brief. A man in the 1860s had a plot of land, and he knew he was there. He knew he was where he was supposed to be. Uh, and God had promised to prosper him, but he saw no sign of it. He had a, he had a camel and, and, and a few acres of land he was working and a wife and, and some children. And uh, somebody came by one day and told him, you know what? There are diamond mines in other countries. And he's like, really? Where would I find that? It's a true story. And he said, uh, anytime you see a mountain, and in between in the valley there's white sand and water, there's usually diamonds. And he's like, really? So the, he thought about it all night long, and he said, you know what? I'm going after it. And he told his family, uh, when I come back, we're all going to be rich. I'm going to set you upon thrones. I'm going to get you everything I wanted uh, to buy you all of your life and couldn't. You just hang right here. Well, he went from one country to another looking for mountains with white sand and rivers in between them, looked everywhere he could find such a thing and never found a diamond. After years and years and years and years, he was standing in Spain. This is a true story. Uh, watching the waves come in, and he realized he'd thrown his life away and had still had nothing to show for it. So he walked out into the ocean and drowned himself. When his wife got word of his death, she had to sell the farm. She had to sell their little bit of land to, to try to live and survive. Well, the guy who bought it, was down at the river one day, watering his camel, saw something gleaming in the water. He thought, that's a pretty stone, and he took it and set it on his mantle as decoration. Somebody came through his house, and they said, do you know what that is? And he said, it's a black rock I found in a the river. They said, it's a diamond. It's a diamond. Turns out, on that man's land, the one who drowned himself in the ocean was the largest diamond mine that's ever been in the history of the world. His diamonds from that mine are in the royal family in England's crowns. It was there in the ground all the time. But he failed the test of staying where God put him until God brought his dream to pass. Do you understand? It was right there all the time. It was right there all the time. That's the story I was going to start with. Yes, I know. It's time. Okay. I want to pray for you. Father, I know 
that within the sound of my voice, there's so many dreams and visions and things that you've downloaded into the hearts of the people. And Father, I ask you in Jesus' name that you remind them of this sermon, that you remind them of your faithfulness, Father. Help them to persevere. Father, I know that between the amen and the, there it is, that there's lots of twists and turns that we did not anticipate. But I also know that you're a faithful Father who's working your plan to get to us exactly what you said. Father, remind us. We trust you. We choose to trust you. We choose to trust you that your word is true, that you're bringing to pass that dream that you put in our heart, and we will not let it go. We will not get out of our place. We believe it shall come to full fruition in Jesus' name because you're not a man that you should lie. Father, help us not to get out of our place by chasing rainbows, by chasing dreams, by, by, by looking for that pot of gold that's never at the end of the rainbow. But you've already provided for us here. If we'll only be faithful and see it to the end. We believe that. We trust you. And Father, I set myself in agreement that the dreams, the visions, the plans that you've downloaded for these people are coming to pass in their fullness at last. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. She's talking about, listen to me real quick. She's talking about your, the plan for your life. Do you all get that? So somebody in the room is new. You're like, okay, I thought so. I thought I had to wait for my healing until I got everything right. She's not talking about healing. She's not talking about anything Jesus died for. You can have it right now. So just, it seems like somebody's new and you're going to leave confused. If it's just one person, let me help you. She, when you preach, you can't cover every side of the mountain. But the Holy Ghost said to tell someone, if it's just one person, it's worth me getting up here. She's not talking about your healing. She's not talking about what Jesus died for. You can get that right now. You don't have to prove anything. You just receive that by faith. Are you with me? But all that rest of that stuff, that's good preaching. You need to get a take. Hallelujah. 